EHH Productions presents KB Cabaret, an original variety show, with your host, Bree Harvey. Hi folks, and welcome to KB Cabaret. My name is Bree Harvey, head writer and producer of this show. KB Cabaret is a calabaloo of original skits, songs, poetry, and short stories. What's Calabaloo, you ask? Magic from a child's creative imagination. I was five when I coined that word, and it's been with my family ever since. The settings originate from my hometown, Parlor City. And the stories originate from people who are a product of fiction. Names, characters, places, and incidents either are products of the author's imagination or are used fictitiously. Any resemblance to actual events, locales, or persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. Thank you, Kate. That, folks, obviously is my lawyer. Starring my friends, the Parlor City Players, Judy McMahon, Kate Murray, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, Bill Murray, and me, your host, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town. Welcome to Parlor City, where our friends come, come out to play. When neighbors don't leave, they stay and chat a while. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. This week on KB Cabaret, we spread Yuletide cheer with a special set of Christmas sketches, plus music from our producer, Bree Harvey. Welcome to our town, to KB Cabaret. Mornings are a special time for me. My rituals are simple. A good cup of coffee soft classical music, and a little daily feature in our local newspaper called Advice with Granny Ada. Dear Granny Ada, I have a very close relationship with my cousin. We used to be inseparable, braiding each other's hair, swapping clothes, sharing harmless secrets, basically acting like sisters. Well, Unfortunately, last year, her job relocated her way across country, and I miss her terribly. My employment and family kept me from just picking up and moving, which, frankly, I have fantasized about all the time. For my birthday last month, my dear, sweet husband brought me the best present a girl could have, a plane ticket to go visit her. Statically, I phoned my cousin, telling her I would be visiting her in the very near future. Granny Ada, I received quite the icy response. She told me she was happy to see me, but her time was limited, and she could only spend maybe a few hours with me during my two-week stay. She also gave me a list of hotels and rental cars around her area, implying I couldn't stay in her place. I feel like I have been slapped in the face. How can a person change so much? Should I even go visit her? I don't know what to do. Please help. Signed, Soulless in Seattle. Dear Soulless, How delightful, having a sister friend who you feel has given you the cold shoulder. She obviously has a reason for asking you to stay in a hotel. Some possibilities may be depression, a full workload, a relationship, or all of the above. Spending a few hours with you during your stay may seem harsh, but then life is life. Embrace the time you do spend together and enjoy your vacation. If a hotel is too expensive, there are weekly apartment rentals or hostels worth looking into. You certainly don't have to rent a car, just use public transportation, sightsee, go to museums, plays, sporting events. I do not advise canceling this trip. You would have too many unanswered questions, and your imagination would overtake any shred of truth. By going, you will have some more insight as to what's really going on. Being a true friend is not always a walk in the park. True friendship requires flexibility patience, and an open heart, even if at times it does feel one-sided. Thank you for writing, honey, and have a good day. Granny Ada
Do you come to Drexel every year for Christmas? Oh, yes. I love the way Drexel department stores decorates for the holidays. The white snowflakes, mirrors, and twinkling lights. It's beautiful. Santa's elves look really convincing. This is my little girl's first time visiting Santa. Oh, she's sweet. How old is she? Three. You're a little boy? Uh, no, my nephew. He's also three. Very handsome. What I like about Drexel's is their non-traditional ways. Non-traditional? Well, they like to mix things up, do things with an open mind. Did you see the display downstairs by the cosmetics? The live Herald Angels? They were live? They were spectacular! Yes, real. I know all three of them. Harry, Larry, and Darren. What? Wait, they were men? Yeah, they're men in drag. Gender illusions. They looked great. I know, right? Hey, we're up next, Peter. You ready to visit Santa's representative? Uh-huh. Representative? Well, you know, I mean, they are the eyes and ears of Santa, but they're not the real thing. Well, yes, but the children think... Believe me, you'll thank me as soon as you get up there. Remember, this is Drexel's department store. Uh, nice meeting you. Uh, come on, Peter, we're up. Yes, n nice meeting you. Well, uh, honey, our turn. Are you ready? No, I don't want to sit on Santa's lap. No, you sit on Santa's lap. Okay, I'll sit on Santa's representative, and you sit on my lap, okay? Okay. This way, little girl. Ma'am? I'm sorry, Santa's representative, but I have to sit on your lap so that my daughter will sit on my lap. Oh, are you kidding me? So you think I made out of lead, maybe? What are you, Michigana? Oh, my... Don't take the Lord's name in vain. You want to sit or what? Hello. <laughs> um, come on up on Mommy's lap, honey. It's okay. You could have lost a few pounds, maybe. Sorry. Fair, no problem. Just kidding. <laughs> At least you're lighter than that other miskite who was here ten minutes ago. And who is this shiner mytel? I'm sorry? Pretty girl. Oh, Mary. Ah, uh, Mary, Mary, quite contrary. What would you like for the holidays? What? I mean, what would you like, honey? Uh-huh, uh-huh. She would like to have a Holly Molly homebody mommy cook set. Ah, they're still making things like that. Wouldn't you like a nice puzzle or a wood builder set? Uh, it's okay, it's okay. Shh. Little boobala can have what she asks for. Who am I to say otherwise? So let's see here. Okay, so you should look up the presents under the tree in the winter fest of the 25th. You mean Christmas? Look, ma'am, you say it your way, I say it my way. It's enough I have to dress the part. Now, there's nothing else. Have a nice day. And don't forget to pick up the photos. My dear little munchkin will give you the photos on your way out. Don't forget, for $9.99, you should want to buy the lovely frame that goes with it. Have a nice day, Shana Madel. And happy winter fest. I wrote Christmas Lullaby with the mindset of mother and child. I have the privilege of experiencing these important phases in life. In the song, both mother and child have different wishes for Christmas. Yet, when blended together, the wishes really become one. So here is my song for you, my dear audience. Christmas Lullaby Rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you You unsails through the streams Christmas Eve is here and children see the stars shine And presents neath trees 
For we love to freely fly and sleigh rides to the sky where lands are gleam with crisp white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. All three kings came forth to bless the little newborn with gifts for his birth. Since that day we find that love is all forgiving for all of its worth. Let's sing in harmony with all the girls and boys for this day is filled with love and joy. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. The presents for me Underneath the Christmas tree Hope you saw the note And get here in time Cause now it's Christmas Eve I dream up high Sailing through the sky My heart is full of joy For now it's so near you know I love you so Newborn babies born With presents adorned The three wise kings knew of his worth I pray for love and peace And all that it brings To everyone on earth Let's sing and grow The bliss that we are heart is full of joy for now it's so near you know i love you so rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you on sails through the streams christmas eve is here and children see the stars shine and it's christmas trees for we love to freely fly and slave eyes to the sky when lands are gleam with white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, when love's all aglow. Rest your head on clouds of dreams that are before you on sails Christmas trees. Christmas Eve is here and children see the stars shine and presents beneath trees. For we love to freely fly and sleigh rides to the sky where lands are green with crisp white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. For we love to freely fly and sleigh rides to the sky where lands are green with crisp white snow. Come with me upon the clouds of Christmas dreams, dear, where love's all aglow. I've been asking people I know to share favorite Christmas memories. My mother had been through many hard times during her youth, wars, early death of loved ones, but there were some rare, peaceful moments in her childhood when she had time for a little magic. This is a memory she recalled. It was in Milano, 1937. I was eight and a relatively happy child. Although I lost my mother a few years earlier, I was surrounded by love. My grandparents and uncle were taking care of me, along with my uncle's new wife, Helen. We were residing in my uncle's beautiful home on Bella Majorca Vincenta, a home that would have been envied by many, even today. My uncle was a doctor and well-respected. His wife was a lovely woman who came from nobility. I remember her vibrant red hair, matching her vibrant personality. She was tall, kind, and was by every means the well-organized lady of the house. Christmas Eve was approaching, 
the household staff was exceptionally busy. The chandeliers had to shine, the silverware polished, and the wooden parquet floors waxed and buffed. Nothing had a smudge, stain, or speck. That evening I tried to peek into the salon, the living room as you call it. However, the heavily draped French doors were firmly closed. My aunt was watching me from behind. My dear, would you like to go in? I nodded with all my being. When the doors opened, I couldn't believe my eyes. The room had been conformed from a former living room to a magical wonderland. A huge spruce tree stood towards the center, practically pushing through the ceiling. Little candlelights surrounded the edges of the limbs. Tinseled foil of gold, silver, and red ran throughout the tree. My Aunt Helen picked off one of the gold foils and placed it in my hand. I opened it up. It was chocolate. I was stunned. I did not know chocolate grew on trees. But, of course, this was a magic tree. Do you hear someone calling your name? I tried to listen. The music was lovely. Was that what she meant? No, child. Look over there. I followed the direction her lovely hand was pointing towards. At first glance, I thought I saw yellow silk inside a golden cage. After closer inspection, I saw a little yellow bird. Piri, that is her name. She was sunshine. We were inseparable. Piri was my confidant, my best friend, my only friend, really. She flew openly in my room, sat on my shoulder, <laughs> even took the breadcrumbs off the corner of my mouth. When nighttime came, she voluntarily flew back into her golden home and fell asleep on her perch. One morning, just like any other morning, I got up and called to my sunshine. Piri would usually fly to me. This time she didn't. I looked over to her cage. She was inside, but did not react. I went closer. Aunt Helen heard my shrieking. Child, child, what is the matter? I couldn't speak. Tears streamed down my eyes as I pointed. Piri was limp, caught in between the bars of her cage. I had known death. I could not bear yet another one to leave me. My best friend, my yellow light. Aunt Helen carefully went over to her and gently pried her from the bars, placing the bird in a soft cloth. She hummed a quiet song as she slowly rubbed the cloth back and forth above the warm ceramic over the hearth. My curiosity took over my tears, and I went closer. There, in front of my eyes, Piri came back to life. It was truly a miracle. I will never forget the love I felt at that moment. The joy of life, the warmth of friendship. I look back and reflect on my childhood. The wars, the loss of loved ones. But my Aunt Helen will never know the gift she gave to an eight-year-old little girl on that day. She gave the gift of hope. And now a word from our sponsor, Mary Elves of You Know Who. Hello, my name is Larry Abramovich, and I represent the Merry Elves of You Know Who. Are you in need of a toy, a dollhouse, or a Susie homemaker? Have you been left out of the bearded one's bag because you celebrate Hanukkah? Well, come on down to Merry Elves of You Know Who. We will send you the same products, if not better, as the same guy from the pole. We deliver faster, quicker, and did I say faster? Yes, indeedy. We'll have your presence there quicker than you can say dreidel. Now you too can say someone has come down your chimney. Check us out on our website, 
www.merryelves.com. That's M-E-N-O-R-A-H.com. And happy holiday to everyone. I have claimed to fame that not many women my age write rap songs. I do come from a dysfunctional family, have love for poetry, and am a true theater geek. So writing rap, believe it or not, comes very naturally. This Christmas song called Santa Rap, Dear Santa, is a collaboration between myself and Dave Rice. I wrote the child's part, and he wrote Santa's part. It is about a child who is worried he wasn't quite as good all year as he should have been. His ace in the hole is the fact that he saw Santa kissing Mom under the mistletoe. He promises not to tell Mrs. Claus if... Well, you can guess the rest. Santa Rap Dear Santa is for sale on CD Baby. Okay, I am shamelessly plugging this. However, I am donating part of the proceeds to Make-A-Wish Foundation. I chose this foundation because I believe making someone's dream come true is a beautiful thing. Santa Rap, Dear Santa. I'm taking over Santa in the North Pole. I'm wrapping the presents and I'm getting the presents. How do you like that, Santa? <laughs> you and all your reindeer go on back to the North Pole. Damn. Let it hit him. Come on. Yeah. Yeah.
What I'm going to share with you really happened. I don't want sympathy, tears, eh, nothing like that. All you need to know is what really happened. Just saying. So, my name is Jeff. I was born in a puppy mill downstate. Never really knew my mother. I know, I was one of dozens, I guess. That's what they tell me. As soon as I can walk and talk, I was transported in a trunk. Placed behind bars. Separated from my family. There were a couple of other dogs with me lying around in the cage. Not knowing what we did wrong. We were there, thrown together in a cell. Twice a day the guards came around to feed us. We were left in our filth. We stank. We had nowhere else to go. We ate to survive. We had only one thought, and one thought only, how we were going to get out. Sure, we had visitors. A dime a dozen, you know. They were all talking no heart. Our hopes were crushed, as fast as you can say the word phony. Now, maybe I wasn't a looker, okay? I don't know. I never saw myself. But I do know I was passed by nine or ten times at least. No one ever said how cute. Look at those big eyes. Nothing. Just passed me by. I gave up after a while, you know. I mean, at first I put my best foot forward like the others. I smiled. I, I pouted. I jumped. Not a bite. Honestly, I didn't care, you know. It would hurt too much if I did. Opportunities don't come around too often. And when they do, you gotta move fast. Mine came around 5.46 the next morning, feeding time. My cage was left open between paper changes. I took my chance, and I bolted. First I hid behind the bins of the merchandise, full of toys. Then I hid behind the display of the cans. I waited. The store would not open until 9 a.m., but I knew that the delivery docks in the back were already open, and I ran for it. It was liberatingly cold outside. The breeze ripped through my fur as I ran through the wet, white ground. I hid often, just in case, you know, not to get caught. And when I ran again, I was clueless to a destination. The white heavy rain was coming down hard. The light was getting dimmer, and my stomach was telling me I, I better look out for something to eat, you know, somewhere to rest. I sniffed out the best garbage available, given the circumstances. It was food. That's all I cared about. As I was eating in the alley, I looked up. The little lights were reflecting through the white rain all around, on the trees, on the houses, on the light poles. I heard songs in the distance. Peaceful, harmonious, interlaced with bells. As I was chewing on the last bone, I heard a scream. 
the sound of a combination of fright, anger, and hurt. Cautiously, I investigated. I wasn't sure what I was seeing. Feet, many feet, scurrying around aimlessly. Wrapped shiny boxes scattered around the white ground. Then, boom. My stomach was bashed in. I fell on my side. Pain was shooting from all angles. And a crashing thud next to me. Hardly seeing from the corner of my eye, I made out a large human lying by my side. Then, darkness came. I woke up to whispering voices and bright lights. I tried to jump, but I couldn't. I felt pain. The next few days came, and in and out, like a blur. Slowly, bits of info slipped into my cortex. I heard snippets of conversation around me. I heard I had run in with the law. <laughs> well, sort of. I, I was the obstacle of boarding a purse snatching. The pain I felt dashing my side was the foot of the robber who tripped over me, <laughs> breaking two of my ribs. Well, the guy was in jail, and the woman got her purse back. And I, I was going to head into the pound after my ribs healed. The officer in charge of the case was nice. He came to the vet to visit almost every day while I was there. Gave me all kinds of treats. Frankly, some of them weren't that great, but <laughs> he meant well. He sat around and talked to me. You know, the first time really a human talked to me. He told me about his cases, how his days went, and how it came to find me passed out bleeding in the alley. I liked his soft voice and his hand stroking my head as he talked. He made me feel warm, you know? I was dreading the day I had to leave for the pound. But the time had come, and then I have learned one can't avoid fate. The kind officer came and wrapped me in a blanket. I was put inside a small carrier, blanket and all. I never felt so small. The kind officer softly told me not to be scared. I did my best not to cry, so I, I silently whimpered. <laughs> we got out of the police car, and he took me inside a building. He opened the carrier door and, and held me. It was not the scenario I had expected. It was a little boy, kind of kind-faced-like looking up at me. Merry Christmas, son, the officer said to his boy. Gently, this boy <laughs> rubbed my head. <laughs> Welcome home to your new family. Those were the nicest words I ever heard. I was right. You can't avoid your fate. My name is Jeff. This is my story. And this is how I came home Christmas Eve. Nine one one, what's your emergency? Hello, dear. Is this the emergency line? Yes, it is, ma'am. What's your emergency? My husband is missing, and I'm afraid that something has happened to him. When was the last time you saw him? Midnight. I waved to him, and he headed out, all loaded up. Midnight of which day, ma'am? Yesterday, Christmas Eve. 
Uh, when did you first become concerned with his absence? Well, today, Christmas Day, at 12.02 a.m. Ma'am, that was only two minutes ago. Yes, dear, I know. But he should have been back by 12.01, at the latest. Uh, perhaps he's in the bathroom? No. No, I watched him, like I always do, as he sailed over the horizon. Where was he headed to, ma'am? Why, everywhere around the world, dear. Ma'am, a trip like that would take a bit longer than one minute, don't you think? No, he usually does it in less time than that, but never any longer. That's impossible, unless he uses some sort of time machine. Ma'am, if this is a prank, I won't hesitate to send a unit over and have you arrested for filing a false report. Having you hauled off to jail, especially during the Christmas holiday, isn't something I take lightly, and neither should you. Why, of course it's not a false report, dear. You've always gotten all your Christmas presents, haven't you? Yes. Well, except for the pony I've been asking for since I was seven years old. But I fail to see what that has to do with your missing husband. Well, dear, after all these years, I know his delivery schedule like the back of my own hand. So if you would help me pinpoint a specific area in the world where Christmas presents have not yet been delivered, then we know where to start looking for him. Ma'am, what's your name? Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Santa Claus. The Mrs. Claus? One in the same, dear. Now, would you be so kind as to check the wire services and Interpol for any interesting, albeit unexplainable, events happening throughout the world? Very well. I'm checking now, Mrs. Claus. Oh, and it appears that there are huge crowds at a small neighborhood pub in Ireland. Huh. That's weird. What's weird? The local authorities are reporting Christmas carols being sung instead of drinking songs. And for an Irish pub, that just isn't right. By any chance, is the name of the pub called O'Malley's? As a matter of fact, it is, Mrs. Claus. <sighs> oh, dear. I was afraid of this. How's that? O'Malley was to be his last stop of the night. Normally, that's his first stop, but he changed it soon after he did one of those DNA tests and found out he was half Irish. Gosh darn it, I should have seen this coming. Shall I contact the local authorities? No, dear. I have one of our elves take care of this, quietly, if you know what I mean. But thank you so much for helping. My pleasure, Mrs. Claus. Uh, Mrs. Claus? Yes? Will I ever get that pony? Don't push your luck, dear. This season is always special to me, maybe because of all the baking. It makes me sing a happier tune. Guess why that's why I wrote... The Magic of Christmas.
Are these the last of the multi-grain crunch crackers? Uh, yes, they are. You don't have any more of these? Uh, no more. Whatever we have is out of the shelves, and that's all we have. I love these multi-grain crackers. They're the best. Mm. How much? Uh, that would be $2, please. Oh, gee, I don't have that much. Then I'm sorry you can't have the crackers. But I love these crackers. I'm sorry, but that's the price. There are some crackers over there on that shelf for 99 cents. But I want these multi-grains. Then you have to pay two bucks. Okay, I only have a dollar fifty. Here. I'm sorry, it's two dollars. What if I only want some of the crackers? Then you have to give me two dollars to buy the crackers and then only eat some of them. But I didn't bring that much money to the store. Sorry then, you can't have these crackers. If I give you a dollar fifty, could you take some of the crackers out of the package and only give me three quarters of them? Uh, no. Why not? Then I would still have a quarter of the crackers lying around for no reason and nothing to do with them. You eat them. But I don't want these crackers. Why not? I don't like multigrains. You could save them for later. But I won't want them later. Why not? I just told you I don't like multigrain crackers. I don't believe you. Everyone likes multigrain. Could you give the crackers to somebody else? Nope. Why not? I'm not allowed to. Why not? I'm not supposed to. But why? Because it's against store policy, sir. But I have a dollar fifty. I should be able to get a dollar fifty's worth of crackers. But you can't. Who says? The manager. Can I ask the manager myself? No. Why not? He's not in town. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. So can I just have them? No. Why would he care? He doesn't want people just taking merchandise out of the store for free. But does he care about the 50 cents? It's the principal. Doesn't he ever compromise? Look, sir, this is not a bazaar. You can't negotiate prices. Are you sure? I'm sure. If I just steal the crackers, will you tell anyone? Yes. Who? The manager and the police. Really? Yes. Why? It's against the law, that's why. Taking crackers? It's shoplifting. But it's not bad shoplifting. I'd still have to call the police. Okay. Can I just pay you for the crackers tomorrow? No. Why not? We don't give credit. Why not? Because if we did, then there would be a lot of people who would take things and not pay for them. But I won't do that. Store policy. But you can trust me. I don't even know you. Can I pay with a credit card? Yes. Uh, I don't have one. Great. But it's basically the same thing. But you would owe the credit card company instead of this store. So? So that's why you can use a credit card but not store credit. You just buy the crackers for me. No, your crackers. Excuse me, do you carry multigrain crackers in this store? Well, hello, beautiful. Has anyone ever told you you have beautiful eyes? Sally and Mary were in love and married for a year. They wanted a child of their own, and they decided to find a donor and conceive a baby. So far, they have had six interviewees, but none fit their criteria. Number seven was on his way to get interviewed, but unbeknownst to Sally or Mary, number seven was in a car accident and was going to be a no-show. However, by pure coincidence, Mel, a handsome door-to-door -door baby photographer, shows up instead. Hi there. Good morning, ladies. Come on in. Thanks. I brought a portfolio of my best work, and I was hoping I can show you ladies what I can do. Great, because we too want to know why you should produce our baby. My pleasure, ladies. Let me assure you, my credentials are impeccable. I'm a student at Yale University and majoring in political science, but on the side, I love to create the perfect baby experience. I am the baby man. Wow, great. Amazing. First, let me start out by saying I am efficient and tidy. I can do multiples of children at a time. Some might I prefer one or maybe two. But lay it on me, ladies. I can do ten at once. Really? Yes, ma'am. I'm one of the most patient men in my profession. Super. Let me show you some of my productions in my portfolio. Oh, oh he's cute. Isn't that sweet? Very nice. Quadruplets? <laughs> yes, I'm very proud of producing those. Well, I'm sold. You seem to be handsome, smart, and showed the best product. I think we found our man. When can we start? Well, I suppose we can start right away. My equipment is on hand 24-7. Well, obviously. Oh, yes. I would like to take multiple shots. You know, so we can all choose from the best. I like to shoot about 60 to 100 shots. 
What? Maybe some one-on-one, -on -one, some with both of you. No, wait just a bit. Not all in one place, mind you. We can do some here in the living room, a couple in the kitchen, maybe in the bathroom. There's nowhere my shots will be wasted. Now, how long will this take? Well, given the light, the process should be approximately a few hours. There was a time when it was an all-nighter, but it was winter and my equipment kept freezing up. I had to warm it by placing it in blankets and rubbing it. Had a hard time keeping off the darn squirrels. They kept trying to nibble at my equipment and hide the nuts. Finally, I shoved my equipment in the bushes and shot through there. Much warmer. But that was in Central Park three years ago. My equipment is much hardier now since I went digital. Digital? Oh, yes. I can do so much more and faster. My shots come out one after another, almost simultaneously. Simultaneously. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, gosh. I, I think I'm going to be sick. Mary, we, we don't have to go through with this, you know. Well, ladies, I may not be the cheapest, but after all, you get what you pay for. He has a point. I want him to do it. Okay, but no funny stuff. As I said, I take my work seriously. Now, let me go to the truck and get my things. What things? Well, standard stuff. Tarp, blankets, lights, cameras, rope, electrical tape, and of course, my tripod. Tripod? Well, even with digital, my equipment is too big and heavy. I need to rest it on the tripod for those extra special, more tricky shots. Ladies! Ladies! They both fainted. Oh, geez, that's the third time this week. We'll close this week's show with a song I wrote based on a holiday tradition my husband and I have on Christmas Eve. It's called This Is Our Time. Thank you for listening, and see you next week. Jingle, 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 and a ho, ho.
Well, folks, that's all for today's show of KB Cabaret. I want to thank you, our wonderful audience, for tuning in. KB Cabaret could not exist without you. I would also like to thank our hardworking actors and writers, Kate Murray, Judy McMahon, Molly Murray, Charles Berman, John Carey, John Montgomery, and Bill Murray. And I'd like to thank our hardworking sound engineer, Charles Berman, and his assistant, Valentine Monfuega, my musical engineer, Dave Rice, and a special shout-out to Christina Danella, my former music engineer, who is now working on Broadway. KB Cabaret is always looking for original musicians and writers. Inquire at kbcabaret.com. And sponsors, we have a special page just for you at kbcabaret.com. Just go on to the sponsors link and hook up. In Parlor City, there are no goodbyes, only farewells. Until next time, this is Bree Harvey. Have a Calabaloo type of day. Thank you for coming, coming to stay a while. Thank you for coming to spend some time. We'd love to have you and share our Parlor City. Back again now to KB Cabaret.